Well, I told somebody this week, maybe you're just too comfortable for success to find you. Now, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to take a look at the current work situation. I'm going to go through a list of how to live a bigger life. We're going to talk about several real people who have figured out how to live the life of their dreams. And then I got a surprise ending telling you how you can be rich instantly. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. You know, it's hard to take care of business when there's so many things changing. So many things are changing right now, and now we're, we're starting to see a little concern creep in, and some of that looks like fear or inaction. We're going to talk about how to go through that, how to come out looking like a genius, because you know how to navigate this, how to come out on the other side. So, as somebody this week asked, Dan, what's wrong with me? We're going to talk about, are you living your life too small? Why are people continuing to leave their jobs? And then what's the quickest way to get rich? Now, here's a quotation today based on some of the feedback that I got after last week. Last week, the lead-in was, can you list 20 ways to make money without having a job? And a lot of people said, oh my gosh, you know, I've got it right under my nose, but I didn't do anything. So the quotation comes from Romans 7.15, the Apostle Paul talking in the Bible who said, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Sounds like anybody you know. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Well, I ran into a whole lot of people who seem to be living like that. All right, our resource for today. We got a seven-page workbook, Who Are You and Why Are You Here? If you just go to 48days.com slash why, you can get that. Who are you? Why are you here? Boy, that's a good starting point to kind of figure that out. All right, we're going to be talking about some questions here. If you got a question, shoot that in to me. Just go to 48days.com slash askdan. And as you know, if I use your question here, I'll send you an autographed copy of 48 Days to the Work You Love with a little encouraging note and maybe some other surprises as I'm known to do. All right, so again, last week, we talked about, can you list 20 ways to make money without having a job? Now, that struck a nerve with a lot of you, but I I said in that, you know, if you can, if you can list 20 ways to make money without having a job, you're never going to feel vulnerable to what the economy is doing, how inflation is going up. Uh, gas prices are rising, or to a boss that's demanding and arrogant, well, that's what I want you to do, is have you have that confidence. It doesn't mean you need to leave your job, but it means that you have the security knowing you're going to be okay, no matter what. So I got a note from Archie, regular listener. He says, Dan, what's wrong with me? Remember that idea I had for an invention that had to do with guitars? I've still not acted on that. And I still haven't seen it out there yet either. Maybe my contentment is holding me back. Let's park on that for a minute. Maybe my contentment is holding me back. You know, we hear the old adages, the good is the enemy of the great. A lot of people recognize it. Just because things are okay, they stay there. 
And all of a sudden, weeks and months and years go by just because things are okay. Well, there's a difference between contentment and complacency. I read this by Joanne as I was just kind of thinking through Archie's response here. Maybe my contentment is holding me back. Now, you can confuse contentment with complacency. Contentment really is, is a good thing. I mean, contentment is just being happy, being satisfied, no matter what your situation. Again, there's principles in the Bible that talk about that. Be content no matter what situation you're in. That's, that's a good thing. But you can be content and also continuously improving to reach your long-term goals, to know what your dream is for where you want to be three years from now. You can still be content. Complacency, on the other hand, means, eh, you know, it is what it is. You know, just you're just going to kind of accept the inevitability of where you are, just complacent, not going to do anything. The years go by, no big deal. That's different. So being content is fine, but don't slip into complacency. Now, I hear a lot of interesting statements from people who are describing their lives. When people apply for coaching, you know, they we have them fill out a questionnaire that gives us some really interesting responses over and over and over again. And I had, not too long ago, had a 36-year-old MBA. This is a gal, 36 years old, at her master's, you know, doing okay. But she said this, she said, I have a vague sense that my life is too small. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to live large? You know, we hear that term kind of thrown around. But living large doesn't necessarily mean a bigger salary, um, finer house, cars, retirement fund, has nothing to do with fancy vacations or the latest fashions. But it means having a life that's full of meaning and purpose. And that can occur no matter where you are economically. But if you really have that nagging sense that you're living your life too small, maybe it's time to take a little look. Take a look at that. And you know you can do that. I know we get used to just the way things are. We get used to our routines. We get used to what other people are expecting of us. We get used to being even responsible as providers for our families, perhaps. But think about some of these things. Just reflect back on last month. Here we are just, you know, starting July. Think back to June and see if you can identify that maybe you're living your life too small. Can you identify four or five ideas you had in June for a better job or for starting your own business or developing that invention that you had. Can you think about that? Four or five ideas. Can you think about three things that you did just to help someone out with no expectation of payback? Can you name for me the books you read or listened to, podcast you listened to that enlightened your spirit, increased your confidence, give you more knowledge and wisdom? How many hours did you spend in quiet contemplation? What are two or three things you did in June that you've never done before? What are the concerts, the art shows, the seminars, workshops, or other enriching experiences you had? What are two or three things that you did to strengthen the relationships that mean the most to you? Now, if you have no responses to those questions, then chances are pretty strong that you may be living your life too small. Those are the kind of things that expand our lives that give us more wisdom, peace, contentment, insight about what we want our future life to look like. Those are simple things. You can take a walk. 
this last Sunday, I went on a walk with my daughter and her family and a bunch of friends they invited to Sleeping Turtle. It's a park nearby here in Florida. I'd never been there before. Just delightful. Just wandered through the trees down along the Mayaka River, saw alligators, saw lots of other wildlife, but just a different experience. I mean, you got to welcome those kind of things. All right, now I want to talk a little bit about what's happening in the workplace right now. Now, here's something that just popped up. J.P. Morgan or Chase Bank started tracking what their employers are doing during the day. Now, some of the workers are saying, look, we're already stressed, we're exhausted, we're scared to talk about what's going on. And now they installed tracking software that they call Workforce Activity Data Utility. So it gives it a nice, fancy, sophisticated, technologically sounding name. But what it means is they're going to be looking over your back, tracking everything that you do. And people are saying, you know, what's up with that? You know, we're already feeling on edge, threatened, scared. And now you're going to do this? Well, that adds to the continued great resignation. And we know we're now in the 11th month where over 4 million people have left their jobs. They're finding other opportunities. They're saying, hey, don't look over my shoulder. I'm going to go somewhere else. So there's a whole lot of things that are happening out there. 80% of employees who do have jobs right now say they're experiencing rising stress. There's a brand new survey out. Workers who haven't joined the Great Resignation are tired. They're annoyed. They're just... What's happening as people leave, it puts more of a workload that's being dumped on the ones who stay. And the ones who stay, rather than feeling like, you know, the company really values them because they stay, they feel like, no, they're being overworked and underappreciated. And thus, this great resignation continues. All right, now we're going to look at some alternatives to what people who are staying in those stressed out jobs are doing. And there's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of examples of people who have left those kind of situations and found greener pastures, so to speak. Now, speaking of greener pastures, this last week was the annual Nathan's Famous International Hot Dog Eating Contest. Now, I know I've mentioned this in past years, and it comes up, you know, every year here in July. And, uh, once again, Joey Chestnut is the champion. Now, I've talked about this dude before. You know, I ought to, I'm, I'm not sure how old Joey is at this point. I, I would venture to say he's mid-40s or so. I would guess. I'll have to check that out. But Joey Chestnut, he is the world record holder. This is, um, golly, he actually has won this 15 times Seven consecutive times in 15 of the last 16 years. 15 of the last 16 years, the same dude has won it. Now, anybody can prepare themselves and show up and enter this contest. Now, what he did, he ate 63 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes on Monday, July 4th. 63 hot dogs and and buns in 10 minutes. Now, that's not his record, his personal record, uh, from last year was 76. So he's what, 13 short, but he was enough to beat the the nearest one. So he, he settled for his low record of 63 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes. Now, why would somebody do this? Now, I insert this not just as a random piece of news, but it's interesting, but 
to show one of many, many, many creative things that people are doing. If you don't want to sit in a cubicle somewhere, what could you do? Well, Joey Chestnut eats hot dogs. Now, the, uh, the total prize, I looked up the details behind this. The total prize is only $40,000. So first place gets $10,000. Well, that means Joey got $10,000. This contest happens once a year. I mean, can you really, you, you aren't going to live on that, obviously. What else does he do? Well, he leverages his celebrity status based on that. Again, having done this now, you know, 15 out of the last 16 years where he's the champ, they estimate that he has a net worth of $2 million. This dude's a millionaire because they say he can make about half a million dollars a year from winning competitions, other competitions, and getting sponsorship deals. I mean, his face is everywhere just because he's known as the world champion hot dog eating, eating champion. Now, in addition... I went to his website. He's got his own website. You can check it out, Joey Chestnut. He has his own line of condiments. So because of what he's known for, he has his own private label branded mustard and coney sauce and wing and dipping sauce. I mean, he's got all these different brands of Joey Chestnut, his own sauce. So he's leveraging that. That's a great idea. I mean, that's that's exactly what I talk about on here. Take something that is your core talent, your core ability, and then leverage it. If you write a book, what are 10 other ways that you can make money from allowing people to experience that message? If you're a speaker, if you're a teacher, if you're a pastor, whatever it is, what are you doing to allow people to be exposed to and appreciate your message in other ways? Well, Joey is doing that. All right. Hey, that's you, you, that, that's enough on Joey. We're going to move on from there. But I wanted to stimulate your thinking. Now, I'm not going to stretch my stomach and try to be a hot dog eating champion, but there may be something you can do that is unique, something that's right underneath. You know, I, I had actually when my son sent me a beautiful, beautiful cedar wood that's been hollowed out, carved out. It's an eagle whistle. Now I looked up the dude that's making these. It's a little block of wood and it's an eagle whistle. If you hold it just right, you're going to pull in the eagles. I haven't tried it out yet. I'm a little hesitant about that. I'm not sure what I'll do if they show up. But here's a guy who just does that. That's a unique thing. He's got a big following. He's got YouTube videos on how to do this well. I'm thinking, wow, just here's one more unique example of somebody that found a unique little skill. They leveraged it into significant income. Now, I want to give you some examples of other people who are living the life of their dreams. There's an article in Business Insider I read this morning about a gal who lives down in um, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Uh, it's way over on the far, well, over on the um, east, or on the, on the west coast of Mexico. And she lives there. Now, she does her work online, but she's experimented staying in Airbnbs around the world, and she's decided that's really where she loves to, to stay primarily. It's her top choice. It's a beautiful, relaxed beach, beach destination. It's a modern international city. has plenty of co-working spots. I mean, she stays very productive while she there. she's there, but obviously you can imagine with, uh, she says, it's a very coastal Mexican town with all the charm, history, and quirks that come with the tropical paradise. After a day of work, as an example, I strolled down the Malecon, which is a boardwalk past an ever-changing rotation of public art, 
toward El Solar, which is a beachfront bar with a relaxing soundtrack and a menu of succulent fresh tacos, frosty drinks. I usually go here for my happy hour by myself after a long day to unwind. Toes in the sand? It sure beats my 9-to-5 desk job routine in my previous job in New York City. It goes on from there. Okay, that's just one example. Today, as I'm recording this, I had lunch with Jeff Long. Jeff is in my mastermind. I met him for lunch out on Siesta Key. Now, he lives up in Dayton, Ohio, but he's down here with a bunch of family members. In-laws have a condo on Siesta Key. We met for lunch. He checks in on his work first thing in the morning and then spends the day on the beach or strolling the little shops with his wife and three little kids on Siesta Key. His clients don't know he's on vacation. I mean, he manages major websites and oversees the ongoing uh, video productions that he has underway. But here he is, down here, you know, strolling the beach, Siesta Key. I mean, there's a whole lot of people who are figuring this out, how to um, not have to just plan on two weeks ago a year to be away from what it is they're doing, but to create a blend where they're doing both. And Ryan Steyer, get on my mastermind, talked to him yesterday. He's in Idaho right now. They sold their home in Indiana. They have five kids and they decide they're going to travel for a year. Now, Ryan developed a training program for teachers. Then he has teachers who are the instructors for the program which he continues to oversee, but it allows him to be free to travel around the country. Think of what those kids are learning. Think of what the whole family's experiencing, how they're creating memories from what they're able to do right now. Chris Niemeyer, another one who a lot of you know, lives up in the St. Pete area. Just got back from a month in England. One of his sons turned 10, and they allowed him to choose what he wanted to do as a celebration for turning 10. The whole family went to England for a month. How can he do that? Well, he has seven small real estate projects underway with construction managers in place. He also has a course on real estate and one on cryptocurrency that people can purchase. That combination gives him the freedom to spend most of his time with his wife and four kids. Now, these are, you know, these are real life people. These are not out of a magazine. These are people that a lot of you know. You can contact them, look them up. Michael McGreevy is another one. Michael lives in Clarence Center, New York. I was up there two weeks ago, had a chance to spend a day with him. He walks his kids to school. I mean, it's right on the other side of their yard. The playground area for the school starts. I happened to be there on June 14th, which was flag day. So we stood on the side of the road. We watched the fire trucks and the police cars come by, and then all the little kids from the school riding bikes, waving flags, you know, <laughs> then we walked up the street to his parents' house, just up the street a little bit the other way. I mean, I really, I expected Barney Fife to come strolling down the sidewalk to talk to us. It's that kind of a little town. His dad has a big barn in his backyard where Michael meets with seven or eight other guys each week to just share life together. He's a coach, but he schedules his workload in the first two weeks of every month, giving in then the last two weeks to Essentially, you know, be on vacation, do things around a house that they just rehabbed, beautiful house that they restored that they're living in. So he has projects, but a lot of free time because he schedules primarily work in the first two months or for two weeks of every month. Not just waiting again, not waiting on that someday where I'll be able to live the life that I'm 
want to live. You know, Michael's in his early 40s. Most of these people I'm talking about are in their early 40s. Jamie Slingerland, another one. Ruthie, his wife, was born in Puerto Rico, so they go there a lot. They like the culture. They also go to Mexico a lot just because they enjoy the culture. They go down and ex- spend extended periods of time. The One of the reasons they're able to do that is when they go, they rent out their house. They Airbnb their house or VRBO, whatever. So they have somebody staying in their house paying for the privilege of staying in their house where that payment not only covers the mortgage of their house, but it also gives them additional money to fund their travels. Now, Ruthie is an executive coach. She can work from anywhere. Jamie buys cameras in bulk and sells them on Amazon. He has people in place to handle the shipments, can stay atop of the business from wherever they happen to be. I mean, these are just people who have just decided we want to build a life where we don't feel like we need to escape from it, where the life allows us to continue, where we don't have to wait until we're 65 to retire and then do what we want to do. I mean, you all heard me talk about my daughter, Ashley. They're getting ready to hit the road again. They're going to go down to the Keys for six months. They're both volunteering and teaching down there, but while they're gone, they'll just rent out their house. Same kind of thing. And they go on the road. She continues to work for me. She's in touch anytime I need her. She has high-tech at any place they are, so she's still connected. We jump on Zoom calls and do our trainings together. But uh, just building a life where they enjoy every day, every day it is an adventure rather than just waiting. Now, these are some of the kind of things that, you know, I'm hearing from people, you know people like that. So certainly I don't want you to feel like you're stuck in what you're doing. If you are, then it merits taking a fresh look. How could you design the life that you want to live? a gal that I uh, read about this morning who spent $100 on supplies from Dollar General to start her own business as a cleaning lady. So cleaning houses, nothing very sophisticated about that, but she does it well. She enlisted a couple other gals to work with her, and she says last year she made $400,000 in revenue. Now we have um, Joanne's out of town right now. I had to go look on online at our checking account to figure out what we are actually pay a couple of gals who come here and clean our house. Every other week they show up, they spend two hours here and we pay them $150. So one is kind of the overseer and the other gal works with her, but you can see how that works. I mean, she stays really booked. We, we, we have a, a locked in time slot in order to keep her coming. Otherwise, somebody else would fill in the slot. Now, these, this is in response to the changes. And when we talk about people being frustrated in their jobs, people going through the great resignation, a lot of people are figuring out it may not be just going down the street with my resume to four other places and getting another job offer. It may be something a little different than that. Again, I'm not trying to talk everybody into leaving their job and being an entrepreneur. I don't think that'll ever happen. I don't think it's realistic. But if you have that sense, if you have that urge Please, please don't feel trapped in what you're doing because there are so many options out there. Talking to one of our, well, our our dean of business in our 48 Days Eagles community, Greg Gray, wonderful, wonderful business guy, very competent, had a big corporate career and then moved into the personal kind of consulting that he does today with businesses. But we were talking, he says, if we can get in front of these changes, we'll look like geniuses. You know, isn't that the truth? I mean, right now people are concerned about rising interest rates. I mean, we've gone all the way from, 
well, like 2.7 up to 6. It's still not very high, but they're concerned about that. Things are starting to change. Real estate is starting to change a little bit. We're seeing, again, inflation. It seems to be kind of out of control. There's a lot of unrest. There's certainly there's a lot of violence, a lot of horrible things happening. And, and I see people, you know, slowing down and crouching down in fear again. Well, we don't want to do that. You, know, you don't want to be able to take the initiative and identify what is it that's going to put you on top again so that you can be living the life you want to live. Now, here's a story. This is a, a story that uh, got picked up. But just worth sharing here because it's a little bit different approach. Here's a guy who's been on the same job for 27 years. Now, in celebration of that, some of the other employees gave him a gift, a little gift bag. Now, he wasn't retiring. He's not going anywhere. He's 54 years old. But he's been on the same job for 27 years, and he's never missed a scheduled work time, has never missed a day. And some of the employees got together and gave him a little gift bag. So they put it... He, he put it on video, I mean, put it up where people could see it. And he unpacked, you know, it was a Reese's cup, a little a mug from, or a cup from, reusable, reusable cup from Starbucks, you know, just some little trinkets in there. And people saw that and they thought, wait a minute, this guy's been on the job, has never missed a day for 27 years, and that's all he gets as a reward. He, he didn't do it in, in spite, he was very grateful for what he got, incidentally. It wasn't done in a matter of feel feel sorry for me at all, at all. But his daughter put the video up and said, you know, maybe we could do a little bit better to recognize his 27 years of service in this job. He works at a Burger King in an airport, all right? So that video has been viewed over 2 million times. And a lot of people said, wow, this guy deserves more reward than a little bag of trinkets and a Starbucks cup and a Reese's bar in there. He deserves more than that. So his daughter set it up as a GoFundMe kind of thing without him even knowing that. And people have contributed over $270,000. Pretty interesting because he's been there 27 years. So that's a a nice multiple of that, 27 years, and the guy gave him $270,000. Now, I saw him interviewed on national TV, and you can check it out. It just happened last week. He was on a Today Show. He, he's not you know, going to quit his job and buy a Ferrari or anything like that at all. No, he just he's very grateful, very humbly, expresses his gratitude, said, wow, he's going to be able to go see his grandkids that he hasn't seen in a while. You know, it was very simple kind of things like that. He doesn't didn't show any indication of wanting to, to quit his job. But, you know, it, it's nice to see people recognize that even though it's a simple job, perhaps, and some of you may be thinking, wow, why did he stay there so long? I don't know. I mean, certainly that question pops up in my mind. But if that fits him well, if he's able to serve well there and get the income that he needs to take care of his needs and responsibilities, you know, maybe that's... Maybe that's fine. Maybe that's a good fit. Again, I got to be careful about superimposing what I would do in any given situation. I want it to be authentic for that person as I want it to be authentic for you. You need to decide what your success looks like. And I, I want to end up here by telling you this way you can instantly be rich. I want to tell you a little story here, and it has to do with Derek Sivers. Now, I don't know if Derek is a friend of mine, but he founded CD Baby. Now, he wrote a couple of little books. Uh, 
Anything You Want was one that's really, really popular. But here's the story he tells. Because somebody asked him to tell him, you know, how he got rich. Here's what he said. Now this, you got to really catch the nuance here. He says, when I was 22, I had a day job in Midtown Manhattan paying $20,000 a year about minimum wage. He says, I never ate out. I never took a taxi. My cost of living was about a thousand dollars a month and I was earning $1,800 a month. So I did this for two years, saved up $12,000. I was 22 years old. Once I had $12,000, I quit my job and became a full-time musician. I knew I could get a few playing gigs per month to pay my cost of living. So I was free. I quit my job a month later, never had a job again. Now, he finished telling that little story. So how he was 22, he figured out if he could live really inexpensively, which he did for two years, saved up $12,000, quit his job and knew that he could just make enough money to survive playing music, which is his dream. That was it. His friend says, well, no, tell me about when you got rich. He says, you know, wasn't that when you sold your company? He said, no. Some of my company didn't make any difference in my life at all. That was just more money in the bank. The difference, I became rich at 22 years old when I made that decision. Uh, Wow, what an incredible perspective. Now, CD Baby Of course, those days have come and gone because we don't have CDs anymore. But he grew a business where he would house, he would warehouse somebody else's CD, sell it. They would tell him what they wanted him to sell it for, and he'd keep like $3 each or something like that. He grew that business, and he sold the business for $22 million. Now, he, he didn't even... He didn't even... He says he didn't even want the money. It wasn't about that. He created a charitable trust before he sold it. So the company that bought it, bought it from the charitable trust, the money went directly into that. That money goes to help other musicians. It didn't go to him, not to his family. He continued to live in the same kind of life he'd been living. But his point was he became rich when he found a way to live with the freedom that he wanted. Making $20,000 a year, he became rich when he discovered that he could be free. I love that story. I love that. So this is not about a scale when you reach a particular point on the continuum, then you're rich. No, it really isn't. So I want to leave you with this. Lao Tzu was an ancient Chinese philosopher. Um, He lived, boy, about 2,600 years ago. But there's a line that he wrote that has always really stuck with me. And it's this, I realize I have enough. That's why I am truly rich. Now, Henry David Thoreau said something very similar to that. He said, I make myself rich by making my wants few. I mean, I think there's a lot of power in that. There's a lot of freedom in that. Maybe you decide that you don't need a brand new Lexus. You don't need a $500,000 house. I mean, there are ways to make yourself rich by making your wants few. Now, I'm not proposing that you just live in a sidewalk somewhere. I think there are some things that are kind of baseline for a reasonably comfortable life, but you can decide what that is. There's a lot of variance in that. A lot of people chase more and more and more and more. We see that as a sign of a rich life, just the accumulation of more and more and more. Well, when is enough? 
I mean, is it a million dollars? Is it 10 million? Is it a hundred million? You know, do you have to be a billionaire? Now it's the big thing to be a billionaire. That's a whole lot of millions. You get to decide. I get to decide. I've, I've, I've loved, you know, Joanna and I have loved this, these last few years of our lives to just kind of define what that means. We watch our kids defining what that means for them. It can be very different, but we have the freedom to choose, the freedom to decide what it means to be content, what it means to be rich. So Archie, you know, I, if you're content with where you are, hey, there's no harm in that at all. If you decide, oh, I really want to develop that idea, maybe not even in a way that is just to make a whole lot of money, but just because you got that itch, you want to see it developed, you want other people to experience the joy of how you would experience that thing that you want to invent, then, then go ahead and do that. So questions, three questions for all of you. Are you rich? How would you feel if you were rich? What would have to change in your life for you to be living like you were rich? Well, again, let me remind you of our quotation out of Romans 7.15. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Don't be that person. Don't be like Paul. Don't do what you hate to do. Figure out what you want to do and then do that. All right. Hey, we got a resource for you. Check that out, 48days.com slash why. If you got a question, shoot that in. I'd be happy to include it in upcoming shows. Go to 48days.com slash askdan to leave your question or a resource or success story. Love hearing your success stories. But, you know, thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in your questions. Thanks for being the kind of people that are open and being a powerful force for making the world a better place. You know, share this episode with three of your friends who are also committed to personal growth. Last week, that thing about coming up with 20 ways to make money without having a job got shared a lot. We saw that floating around all over out there in social media. But the people that you share this with will thank you for it. I mean, become known as a person who is sharing positivity and encouragement and hope to others. Then when you give them a book or an idea or suggest something to them that'll help them increase their own success, Tell, and trust me, it's going to elevate your credibility and your value in their eyes. So be that person. Stay committed to your belief that we can, without a shadow of a doubt, find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. 